and let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Who doesn't love babies? Wiggly toes, button noses, gurgling smiles, chubby cheeks. Now babies can be quite a handful, but for many of us, they are small bundles of joy. And it is truly a miracle every time a child is born. So it is not hard to imagine Mary and Joseph getting swept up in the raw, immediate joy of new life. It is a still stop moment. For unto them a child is born. Not even the arrival of an angel can add to the scene. There is such hope in the birth of a child, for they represent the promise of what is to come. And we like to project onto babies who we want them to be, what we desire for their future, what kind of person we think they'll become. And maybe this is one reason why we love Christmas so much. We get caught up in the story of the pure and innocent Christ child. And we cling to this promise-filled portrayal of Christ, especially today when the world is in need, in such need of joy and celebration. And this birth prompts hopeful questions. What new life does this child wrapped in bands of cloth bring for us? To borrow Gabriel's words, what tidings of great joy does he bring? What good news will he share with the shepherds and us? There is such hope and such promise in this story. And we want to press the pause button on this moment of Jesus' life. And we may feel similarly about our own lives during this time of year. Christmas can be very precious when we are united with our loved ones, when the world stops still, when we take into account the good things we have in life, when we encourage gratitude and service, or at least that is how we are told to feel. For many of us, however, this is not our Christmas story. It can be an isolating and painful time, 
Our lives feel so distant from the portrayal of joy and hope and celebration that we are supposed to feel. The world gets swept up in the holiday spirit and we feel like we are left behind blowing in the wind. And in many ways, Jesus's life proved to be relatably inconspicuous and unremarkable. He was born in a remote village, the child of refugees. He grew up in another forgotten corner of the Roman Empire. He worked in his father's carpenter shop until he was 30. And then he was an itinerant preacher for only three years. Three years. As preacher Dr. James Allen Francis reminds us, he never owned a home, he never wrote a book, he never held an office, he never had a family, he never went to college, he never put his foot inside a big city, he never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of those things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. And today we celebrate Christ's birth. Yet this is not the only story we tell today. We will also be sharing communion. And in that sacrament, we share the story of Jesus' last meal with his disciples. And we are taken to a different place, filled with betrayal and death. It's more challenging to feel hopeful and to have confidence in Jesus' promise of new life when we confront the whole story of Jesus' life, from birth to death. Now, these moments at first glance may appear to be at the opposite ends of the story. Over here is Jesus' joyful birth, and way, way over here is Jesus' death. Yet they are all part of the same narrative. And in fact, there are some threads that weave these ends together. Symbolically, Jesus' birth and death are connected. For starters, Bethlehem, the town where Jesus was born, means city of bread in ancient Hebrew. And Jesus being born in a manger means that he was born where animals are fed. So when the shepherds come, they greet God incarnate, not only in a stable, but in the animal's trough. Jesus is bread, laid in a feeding place in the city of bread. And as John shares in his telling of Jesus' birth, this baby will be the bread of God, 
which comes down from heaven and gives life to this world, the very bread of life. And it's throughout Jesus' life that he is portrayed as the bread of life, not just in the beginning and at the end. From Jesus in the trough, to Jesus feeding the 5,000, to Jesus breaking bread during the Last Supper, saying, take, eat, this is my body. There's also vulnerability to these moments of birth and death that connect them together. Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem weak and exhausted. They have traveled a long distance, and the only shelter they can find is a drafty stable. And this is where their son is born. Among the muddy cows, the bleeding goats, sweat, blood, makeshift blankets, and they place him in a manger. Jesus is not neatly protected and resting on a pile of quilts in the corner. And at the Last Supper, Jesus breaks bread with his beloved friends, one of whom will later betray him, and the others who would deny knowing him. And he was turned over to his enemies, and he went through the mockery of a trial, was nailed up on a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property that he had, his coat. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. These moments also remind us that God knows what it means to be human. God is incarnate, that is, God is enfleshed in Jesus. But in Jesus, God does not come embodied as an angel or as a heavenly being. Rather, Jesus comes to this world the same way that we all enter. And in communion, we eat which is something that all of us as humans partake in. We use the simple and, column, and common elements of bread and wine, the ordinariness of which might get lost as we celebrate today with sterling silver. But our Christian life and the story of Jesus are marked by the very basic elements of what it means to be human. And there is also the unexpectedness of these moments. For part of the life story of Jesus is that we come to encounter God in unexpected places. Not in a palace, but in a stable. Not in a shining city, but in a dark, remote corner. Jesus upends our orientation and understanding of the world altering our expectations of justice, love, and peace. And telling the story of Jesus' birth 
and sharing in the Lord's Supper is a way for us to tell the whole story of Jesus' life. It's the original farm-to-table movement. And it's a more challenging story, as it holds together the light and the darkness and the brokenness and the wholeness. But as we approach the communion table, let us bring our whole selves to God. Not the Instagram Norman Rockwell painting, the in-laws are coming selves, but our whole sinful and shattered selves. For no matter how unbelievable it might be, God loves us just as much when we enter this world as a vulnerable and innocent baby as when we leave as a vulnerable and broken person. There is no place we can go, no deed we can do, no words that we can say that changes the fact that God loves us wholly and unconditionally. And that is good news this Christmas. Let the church say, Amen. Amen.